Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello, and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now, in today's program, I'm uh, real pleased to be able to bring you somebody that um, I know is going to add some value to our knowledge base and is certainly going to be really interesting to chat to. Now, um, I can't say I've known this gentleman for a long time, but we certainly hit it off when we when we had a conversation. And um, I credit Joe with that for reaching out to me. Um, now, the person I'm talking to is called Joe Davis. And um, Joe is a chartered psychologist. Um, he's going to put me right on anything I do get wrong. I know that he works in uh, a business field at the moment, but he's um, also uh, has an uh, interest in sports, esports. Um, he was educated at Stirling University, one of the uh, eminent places to go for sport and, and psychology, I believe. I think it's it's a, an absolutely fantastic uh, institution for, for that kind of thing. Um, currently, he is a senior consultant and performance coach at Ground and Air which is a coaching development and insight practice, which has a focus on human performance um, and, you know, de development and um, discusses such things and helps clients with such things as uh, their physiology, uh, their psychological aspects, rest and recovery and um, things like that. Um, he was previously head of performance at, I believe, was Roach Martin, an emotional intelligence training company. Um, so, Joe, welcome to the Leader Manager Coach. Thank you, Rob. It's really good to be here. I've been looking forward to speaking to you today. And um, is that all correct? All those things are correct, or have I got anything wrong? Absolutely, that's bang on. Uh, yes, yeah, all, all, uh, all correct. Good. <laughs> okay, so um, a lot of the listeners um, for Leader Manager Coach, Joe, um, have an interest in sport. They certainly have an interest in um, personal development and, and certainly... Um, you know, uh, human performance and, and, and that kind of thing and, and, and bettering themselves or leading teams. So I think you're you're probably full of knowledge that will, will really help people. Um, just tell us how your interest in getting into, you know, your, your psychology, um, how, how that kind of was born, really. Is that something that was in your as an early age or did it develop later on? Yes, yeah, so I was talking about this the other day, actually, on a workshop that I was running for a new client here at Ground and Air, and um, I, it, it started really when I was at school, um, my interest in psychology. I studied psychology probably around the age of 15, 16, I think it was. Um, when I was at school, it was just general psychology at the time. It was, it was just... Uh, there was no focus on sport or performance or clinical psychology at that time. Um, and I got to the point where I was trying to figure out what next at that age, 16, 17. Uh, I was playing football. I was playing at a decent level, not not professional or, or in the academy setups or anything, but I was a decent enough player at the time. And um, I, I remember sitting down with my dad, actually, at the time, say, and we were talking about what's next for you. Do you want to go to university? A lot of my friends were already talking about going to university to do things like uh, law or politics or finance, um, some of the classic things that you might mm. hear, particularly at that time. Mm. 
Um, and I, I was like, I, none of that really interests me that much. I'm, it's just, it doesn't sound like it's for me. And I remember my dad asking me, what, what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? And I said, sport, football. Um, that, that's that's what I would love to, to do. But I know I know it's not always easy. Um, but I and I also got really quite interested in that psychology uh, course I did at the time. So I kind of put them both together and I looked at sports psychology options. Um, and Sterling came up, a few others down in England as well. And I I ended up going for it. My dad was kind of saying to me at the time, if you don't give this a go then you'll never know what could happen. Huh. And if it doesn't if it doesn't work out, then just you, you, you've got a long life ahead of you. So give give something else a try. Give this a try. And if you need to, you can do something different. And I think then, even through my university times when I went to Stirling, I was I, I joined the football team who were a pretty good team at the time. But what I realized was that it was often my um as I started to study psychology more and learn more about it, I realised that it was actually those aspects that was that were probably holding me back as a player, wow. um, maybe more so than my physical ability or um, my technical under my technical ability or tactical understanding. I thought it was probably more around that, around managing performance, anxiety, and pressure in the bigger games. So I just followed that through and ended up studying sports psychology up there, as you said. Did my masters and uh, moved down to London about seven years ago, about seven or eight years ago, to continue my career. So that's that brings me to where I am now, really. Yeah. So it sounds, Joe, like it's a lovely story, and it sounds like you know you you developed um, a, a self insight. Really, you kind of sat down and you had the benefit, and the you know which a lot of people don't always have, and parents don't always kind of show that level of interest, or even if they do, they don't know how to verbalize it, or it's you know they just let let you decide yourself, and you kind of find your own way. But you you kind of obviously had a you know a courageous decision. Or c- courageous uh, thought process because a lot of people go into stuff and you hear the stories, Joe, all the time of people going into work that they hate, you know, they don't like it, they don't resonate with it and, and they stay in it for a long time. And I, yes. I can relate to that as much as people would say, I've done things in my work life that, you know, would people would say, well, that's successful, you've done well at that. Yeah, okay. But um, I definitely relate to what you're saying and I think it's a fantastic yes. point to start with. Um Follow your heart, you know. Uh, very difficult to do, but I think you you're certainly a living example of that. Um, and because and, what you think will open up, you know, the thing. What, what this there's some kind of quote that says, "Look, don't worry about the how; just know the why." You know, just know what it is you want, and and the rest will kind of the path will open up yes. for you. Um, yes. So. I wanted to come back to your work in a minute that, that you're doing, um, and maybe this will lead into myself, but I've noted in some of the things you've posted on social media or, or that you've written that emotional intelligence kind of stands out for me as something that um, is that you have a deep understanding of and, and uh, seem to have uh, you know, written a few things about, Joe, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what what does emotional intelligence mean to you in terms of, uh, a valuable facet to to understand and be be good at um, in 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 life, sport life, whatever. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that's I mentioned when I first moved to London. Um, 
uh, seven or eight years ago now, and it was to 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 start that role at Ross Martin, who are the emotional intelligence training and psychometrics company that I started with. And I first came across emotional intelligence at university during my studies, um, and I I started to get really fascinated in it. I mentioned about from my own point of view, it was that emotional experience sometimes that I struggled to keep on top of when I was playing um, as a footballer at, at my university team and. That's when I really, it's really sparked my interest uh, and I could, I started to realise that you could work on managing these experiences and understanding them better, which is a big part of what emotional intelligence is. It's Daniel Goleman first coined the term or, or popularised the term over in the US back in the, the mid 90s when he wrote the book, Why EQ is More Important Than IQ. Um, and that was more in a business setting. But he described emotional intelligence as um, developing the ability to recognise, identify and understand our own emotions uh, and manage our own emotional experience, but also be able to understand and influence the emotional experience of other people. Um, and I think that's that, that's that's for me is the best definition that exists of, of what it is and what I realized when I moved to Roche Martin was that there was much more to it than that there was a set of skills that that sat underneath this idea of emotional intelligence like self-awareness for example um, self-confidence uh, empathy relationship skills uh, and you can actually do something about training and developing these so um, yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating area and it's an area I've worked in ever since, since since moving down there to, to work at Roche Martin. I've applied it into, or I've helped train people in emotional intelligence and in business settings, particularly leaders, um, to help them lead teams and influence better and manage their own emotional state better. Uh, and I've, I've worked into football environments as well, doing something similar with coaches uh, and even players as well. So, at Roche Martin, we had a couple of assessment tools we used to benchmark and measure emotional intelligence and then coach and, and train people to develop those skills. So um, we're doing a bit actually in esports now at the moment as well. Uh, and more recently, I got involved with um, two guys who did our training course at uh, Roche Martin, actually. One of them did our training course at Roche Martin a couple of years ago, and he wanted to create an app to make emotional intelligence skills and training available to, to young football players in, in particular. So we've started to do a bit more around that space. So certainly an, an area I've got a lot of interest in, Rob. <laughs> okay. So let's just dive into that a little bit more because, um, so does it, here's a, here's a big question. Does it start with yourself? You are not able to have a degree of mastery of at least insight. Um, does that render you, in your opinion, incapable of then being efficient in helping another person or an, or a team of people. As a leader, do you mean? So if I if I'm so are you are we saying that um, you have to understand emotional and have a degree of insight and understanding of it yourself in order to influence other people? In your opinion, do you think that? Yes, I, I, my view is that we need a level of self-awareness, awareness into how we, uh, how we're behaving, how our behaviours impact other people, 
in order okay. to really influence. There's a, the, real, the research shows there's a direct relationship between self-knowing or self-awareness and then skills like empathy and relationship skills. So okay. that sort of self-element um, compared to the interpersonal competencies, which are also really important for influence, okay. of course. Okay, I want to come back to that in a, in a minute. And, and um, how rule like me asking you to be kind of very general i suppose which might go against the grain a little bit but how good how far down the road and these are crazy questions really because what's normal but generally when you have your clients come to you are they lower down the scale of degree of emotional intelligence than they think they are and, and you think they are and you think oh my days you know there's so much to work on here or do you, is it a mixed bag? How does that play out when you kind of get clients who come to you, some skeptical, some there because the boss has said they've got to go and some people because they want to improve? Go on, give us a little yes. insight into that. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great point and question, actually. I think um, it's it's a real mixed bag. Um, there's, there's times where you're approached by a client and they know that there's maybe some people who are, some people in the team or one person in the team who's particularly lacking empathy, for example. So they want you to do a bit of coaching and a bit of development and training around that. And you start with the, the assessment tool to get the baseline or the benchmarking done at the start. And then you can really get an insight into how they perceive their own levels of empathy, but how other people perceive that as well, which is the most important thing. So you do the 360 assessment uh, and then you coach and, and train around what comes out. But you also get teams or, or individuals who just want to learn a bit more about themselves and build their own self-awareness, which these assessment processes and, and coaching sessions are really good for. Um, so it might just be, there's obviously that term marginal gains that's talked a lot about in, in sport and, and, and beyond. And it might just be tweaking something or adjusting their behaviour slightly to improve a skill like straightforwardness, which is one of the communication skills within the emotional intelligence model that I work from so um, it's a bit of both really I would say like the kind of proactive approach to train and get a little bit better at some things or there's a real gap and you really need to to work on that to, to influence you, better or, or yeah. work better. Do you get um, like teams of people who or businesses or teams or groups or, or I know somebody somebody who's the leader who says listen we've got this team and the, there's Phil and there's Megan and there's there's Amy and there's whoever and they've got this problem that problem and can you can you sort them out? <laughs> Do you get that kind of like attitude and it's like well you're thinking mm, well let's see how you get on first before we start trying to change other people yeah does that happen or I don't know maybe it does uh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes it has it has happened over time <laughs> and I think as a psychologist you're always careful not to go straight in on that without doing your own needs analysis and understanding and assessment of what's really happening there so that you can obviously develop the most impactful and useful intervention for those people you know no it's great it, it's uh it's fascinating um you must have some eureka moments with clients where they buy what they find out or self-discovery and um you know it makes a real difference in in their work life or their success i mean have you got an that listen obviously completely confidential and just examples of, of where you, what you've done as a company, as an individual has, has had financial gains or, or real, real growth and real value. Joe, is there anything you could share that, that um, stands out as a, as a nice story on that as an example? 
Yeah, I think there'll be a few really. Um, but I think one that comes to mind for me was actually in, in the business world when I was doing a bit of work um, with a senior leader at Deutsche Bank. Uh, and it was back to this uh, emotional intelligence piece where he was trying to understand why um, some of his team weren't opening up. It was just at the start of the pandemic, actually, this example, but um, he was trying to understand why his team weren't opening up to him and sharing concerns and uh, discussing difficult topics and conversations Uh with him in particular. Uh, And when we discussed that initially and then we got him to take the ECR360, which is the emotional intelligence assessment tool that, that I use, um, it became clear when we looked at that and he'd got lots of feedback in from his colleagues and his peers and his manager and his direct reports that it was the skills of empathy and relationship skills that he thought were higher in his perception than they actually were and they were mm. coming down quite low as development opportunities for him. Um, as a leader so when we started to discuss that uh, help him understand some of the tactics and strategies that he could start to deploy to um, develop those skills and show more of exhibit more of those skills um, in his work then over the time we I think it was three three months we started that initial process quite intensive and then over that time he started to see things like his team opening up more and meetings and his team telling them what they did at the weekend a bit more often and talking about their families and just just that psychological safety, I think, was one of the key things that we saw grow within that particular team. And, and he, yeah. he saw some quite quick results off the back of that. So um, that gives that gives a, a bit of an insight, I think, into an example yeah, yeah. of how that can work. Yeah, and that fits in quite nicely if you are interested in football. That, that a lot of the rhetoric at the minute and the, the in kind of vogue sexy manager is the, you know, the pet, obviously, the Jose type, the, the, the Eddie Howe type, who's, uh, who's the big brother, who's friendly, who's open, who talks about the family and lets you go home early to yes. see the kids if they're ill. And, and, you know, and the days of, look, you know, without going to pigeonhole people here but your Tony Pulis is your Sam Allardyce is your you know that what people had pigeonhole incorrectly but let's just kind of use that term to to make it an example that the old school um is no longer sexy and uh, doesn't get the results and um yeah it kind of fits in with that rhetoric really uh Joe what what you're saying and I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong I'm um, I'm sure uh there's a balance in everything um but um yeah it seems to be what yeah. people want now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to influence, doesn't it? When it comes to leadership and different, everyone's unique in that sense, how they influence people. But I do think with the generations of players and people that are involved in the workplace now, we talk about Gen Z. And I don't like, a bit like you're saying, I'm not always keen to pigeonhole generations because not everyone should be stereotyped in terms of what they respond well to. But I think, as you say, we've seen that evolve a bit over time in terms of what skills are used to influence. I think there's still a place for the um, the loud voice and the, the direct directing people and advising and telling them what needs to be done differently and better. But I think, as you say, those those uh, softer skills, as they're called, are, are certainly more relevant or, or used nowadays. Yeah. And you know what, Joe? It's interesting to talk about this kind of thing because I think 
it's real easy, and and I do think that the world's gone this way, that the world uh, considers that these soft skills, as you beautifully put it, the empathy, the understanding, the the listening, um, you know, the, the, it's seen as like, uh, what can I say? Um, let's find the word weakness or, or kind of it's not strong. It's not. And and it's almost like um, there's the, the, there's a lack of understanding that it's not a lack of strength. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're not you haven't got you don't have your values are aren't there and, and, and you allow people to walk over you. It, it's totally not that. And I think it's easy to get to get uh, steamrolled into kind of thinking that, you know, you just let people do what they want. You kind of, you know, you're nice to them and nice to them is like letting them do what they want. And, and um, yes. I think, I think the whole, you know, being still involved in the workplace that the whole kind of, you know, I suppose I'm going to get a little bit, politically kind of involved here but the woke thing and, and and allowing people to be what they are at the time and not not daring to kind of challenge because challenge is considered to be uh you it's not fair to challenge people you put them in awkward situations and then how they feel is the ultimate importance and i think joe we're re- in real danger of misunderstanding what what the right balance is yes yes absolutely i think that's that's absolutely spot on. There's been a lot of work done uh, looking at resilience. I think we talked about resilience a bit last time, Rob, didn't we? When we had our first phone call, mm. um, and what, how do you, how do you build, how do you develop resilience? And a big part of it is is around the environment, and, but it's also um, individual qualities and, and leadership as well. And the research that's been done is showing that you need to get the right balance between challenge and support. It's striking that balance exactly as you yeah. said there, but some people, I think that balance isn't always an easy thing to get to get right. Um, yeah. It's 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 not, but you're you're absolutely right. It's getting that balance. You need to challenge. You can't you can't have everything too nicey nicey. And um, obviously, fun's important and enjoyment, but you do need to put keep people on their toes. I think as a leader, as a coach, um, mm. as well as support them, listen as you say, understand, let them with their sick grandmother if, if she's not very well all that kind of yeah. stuff that the humans the human side of it um yeah, it's that yeah. balance yeah absolutely so yeah. just um i'm interested to know about esports only because i know nothing about it and um yeah i i can understand and it's probably it's my own ignorance here i'm, I'm just being honest and saying i know nothing about it um I can understand needing resilience to, 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 to play a game of football when you're absolutely shattered and it's 10 minutes to go and you feel like you're spent or you're an athlete and you've, you've got another lap to go and you think, do you know what, where am I going to find this energy from? And you're under pressure and if you don't win, you know, there's a financial cost and your career, you know, changes at the drop of a hat. And, and I get that. Um, how does your role in sports psychology play out in terms of esports where where do you have a valuable input into that and and how do people come to you and say can you help me yeah it's, it's a really interesting one you know i i i've been involved in esports now for about 18 months i would say in total so it's the newer element of my of my mm. career in sports psychology and performance mm. really um but a lot of what you described there is actually still quite relevant is what i found right um so resilience um 
managing pressure, all these types of things. Uh, but all, there's obviously quite nuanced different, not nuanced, quite big differences, of course, with with the esports players being mainly sedentary or, or sitting a lot of the time, spending a lot of hours in in um, dark rooms playing games, essentially. <laughs> um, but we at Ground and Air we started working with. We started working with uh, Red Bull Formula One esports team, basically, um, and they're joined up now with the Formula One team as part of Red Bull. So, obviously, you've got Max Verstappen, Checo Perez there, Christian Horner's the the boss, mm. and, and the esports team now now sits in that same organisation. So, um, it was fascinating getting to understand how they work together and how they um how they worked alongside the other guys there, the, the the traditional team if you like. But when we went in there at the start, it was actually about a year ago when we started with them. Things like communication were important and needed work. So communication in the team between drivers. Um uh, other things like emotional control, so managing performance anxiety, which obviously wow. is is part of any performance setting, um was another thing. Uh, just developing team spirit, team cohesion, togetherness was something that was quite new to them. They were just young guys who were who became really good at a game, basically a Formula One racing game, and they've, they've been put into this team environment in the last three, four years and expected to be a team and win championships. Um, so, so a lot of those things you would work with with a football team or a cricket team or a or a, even a business team, if you like, um, came up similarly. Just the nuanced differences. Uh, burnout was a big thing because these get these kids sure. have been playing for a long, long time. They start when they're very young now playing these games, uh, and then they get to a point they're so good at it that a team like Red Bull comes in and offers them a contract as a professional player, and it's it's quite a, quite a change. And then all of a sudden, pressure to perform pressure to win, to win money, to keep the team going, becomes a part of it and they can burn out because they've been doing it for so long. A bit like mm. young academy players mm. maybe in football um, when those when it gets more serious. So so that's important to educate people around that and help mm. them manage, manage that side of things. So. Are you struggling to find that extra edge to help you stand out above the crowd? Separating yourself from the rest is often about personal leadership. Achieve your true potential and become who you really can be. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course is a unique membership accessing the knowledge and wisdom from history's greats that will help you develop both personally and professionally to make you truly stand out. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course. Access now at patreon.com Leader Manager Coach. Having thought about it, it's um, the... the the in football they talk about the the four corner model the, the physical and the social you know the psychological the, the technical and the tactical so and obviously the physical yes. corner in esports is is a different issue it's like um yes. it's still there but it, you, you don't think it is but it is because if you crikey if you sit down for 12 hours a day and you look at a screen and you do that for years on end um ah the consequences if you don't make some concerted effort to actually develop other you know it, it could seriously end your life you know uh or, or shorten it yeah because it's known surely that you know sedentary lifestyles and looking at screens all the time all the evidence is that you know it's uh it's not positive to do that all the time yeah 
Yes, absolutely. And that's a big challenge, I think, that industry's faced with. Um, but teams that are now putting quite a lot of money behind their athletes, as they call them, are starting to do more around gym sessions, um, personal personal training, yeah. strength conditioning even. And, and it's not even so much to get them really physically fit so that they can run for a long time, because that's not necessarily needed for the sport. But or you'll know, Rob, yourself, that we're going out for a run or even a walk for 20 minutes is really beneficial for your cognitive performance as well. Uh, it, it, wake, it wakens up your brain basically and makes your reaction times quicker and and get more oxygen in there so uh, as long as you can make that link and show how it, it can help them from a game point of view a bit like working in football I think as well yeah. but this this stuff's only only lands and only only um people only listen to it if if, if they think it's going to help them perform better so you think that links necessary yeah yeah so I'm really interested to know a little bit more about um, your current role and, and at Ground and Air, and, and maybe you can touch on um, any similarities if it's not, if it's appropriate, of course, uh, at Roche Martin. But um, so tell us a little bit about what services you offer. You've kind of obviously in a previous conversation, I've got a little bit of an insight. But for the listeners, um, what kind of things you offer and services you offer, and how you help your clients through uh, through your current role, Joe. Sure, yes. Um, so we describe ourselves as a performance and well-being company. Um, so we help human beings, teams and organisations perform better and maintain a good sense of well-being while doing so. Um, we focus in three key areas, really, uh, in terms of what we actually do. So performance coaching for both individuals and teams. Um, development. So again, that can be developing individuals and developing teams. So de- helping them train train them around skill development and, and um, helping them be, be better at what they do. And then the third piece is around insights, as we call it. So that's basically using a suite of insight tools, awareness tools t- to inform our work, both with teams and individuals, to help people understand more about themselves, to help teams understand more about how they operate together. So some of our insights tools, I've mentioned one of them already, Emotional Capital Report, uh, ECR360, which is the Emotional Intelligence Assessment Tool. Um, we use a, a tool called VoicePrint, which helps with communication and impact and influence. Uh, so we work with a lot of leaders and high potentials and business settings, particularly with that tool. Uh, and others like personality, more traditional personality type tools um as well so so that's a bit of a gives you a bit of a flavor rob in terms of the industries we work in so we work quite a lot in business and corporate settings as as i've mentioned to you before uh, and media and tech so companies like uh Forbes, google microsoft uh washington post cnn kind of in the media and tech space and then into retail with companies like holland and barrett uh um and and then into esports, obviously, as I say, as 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 we've talked a bit about with Red Bull esports, Guild more recently, um, who yeah. David Beckham's the, the joint shareholder of or majority shareholder of, sorry, uh, and then in sport as well, traditional sport as I've started to call it because of the work in esports. So, um, yeah, doing some work with LMA actually, I think who you've you've done some work with in the mm-hmm. past as well. Um, so yeah, it's a real variation and range. Yeah, so. If 
if I can see you've dealt with um, as a company, uh, ground and air, you know, relationships with blimey, some some pro- proper established blue chip companies and organisations there, and um, you know that that's 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 amazing in terms of a a company's CV. Um, so, are you the an appropriate organisation if there's an individual out there who is looking to progress their career um, and wants to? develop themselves is that something that you offer services to as well as your corporate clients with teams of people yes yeah absolutely absolutely we we can ultimately for me it's and my, my colleagues here it's about human functioning and human performance so if someone out there is really interested to develop themselves enhance their, their career develop some skills like for example emotional intelligence or communication or or even how to get into flow more often flow state um these are the kind of things we do as well so it's it's not just limited to to big big companies yeah. and things like that so for example something like your ecr 360 is that um a tool that you or stroke ground and air have developed is that is that a, or is that like um a kind of a a gold standard that's available that's been known throughout the psychology world for a long time or is that unique to to you and ground and air joe something like that yeah so it's actually uh i would say it's for me it's the best emotional intelligence assessment tool out there that that measures the relationship between emotional intelligence and leadership performance uh, and it wasn't developed by us no it was developed by Rosh martin who were my who were the company i used to work for by Martin Newman and Judy Purse, who are their founders there at Roche Martin, they're, they're psychologists. They developed that over many years in, in different business settings and sport. Um, and lots of research was done into building that into the tool it is now. So that's the one I continue to use. So you think that's a powerful uh, tool? You, you By the sound of it, you've mentioned it three or four times and obviously you've, you know, um, you've used it extensively. You, you think that's a real powerful tool for to help people to develop leadership skills? Is that yeah? Absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah. And I, I think a lot of our a lot of our clients and clients in my previous role would would say the same. It takes a lot. It takes something like emotional intelligence and makes it very practical. And um, you can very much apply the behaviours and, and tactics to your to your job straight away after doing it. It's kind of transformational in, in terms of the the process you go through it's it's quite quick giving you quite a lot of insight into yourself and how you how you're perceived by other people so yeah interesting and um voice print i mean i'm interested in very interested in the power of influence and communication and 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 voice um maybe if i could ask you a little bit about voice print what's a little bit more detail about that and how that works and how that can help um leaders Sure. Yes, it's this is one of my newer tools that I've started to use in the last sort of eighteen months, and uh, I hadn't seen anything like it before. It's a competency-based tool. There's come a lot, come across a lot of um, personality assessments in my time as a as I was doing my training, but um, it's it was developed by a guy called Alan Robertson, who's a Scottish guy actually, like myself. Um, and has been used in big companies like Boeing and Coca-Cola and, and others. He developed that over 15 years ago now. And it basically, as I say, it's quite simple in the sense that it measure, measures your communication style. Uh, there's a self-assessment tool, so you take it yourself. 
So Rob, for example, if you wanted to take that, you would do your questionnaire. It takes about 15 minutes to complete. And then you can get a self-report, which talks you through your results and gives you insights into how you can improve. And then there's a 360 version as well. So how you're being heard by others, essentially, in terms of your communication. Um, and then again, you get your report and you can get a feedback session with, with a trained coach. Um, and then there's also a team report as well that you can do as a team and and, and you can think about and discuss how your team is communicating. Uh, and there's, in terms of what it's measuring, it's measuring what they call the nine modes of talk or nine voices. Wow. Um, and the top three, it's like a, it's like a shape, like a triangle. And the top three are what's called the, the exploring voices. So questioning voices like probing, for example, or inquiring uh, or diagnosing. So a doctor might, you might go and see the doctor, for example, and they'll ask you multiple questions and then they'll diagnose the issue, for example. So there's that diagnose voice into the bottom corner, which is the, uh, what are called the positioning voices. So advising, articulating. Um, those types of voices, so where you're making a point, for example, or you're advocating for something. Um, and then into the final uh, corner of the triangle, the, the final three voices are uh, what they call controlling voices. So to challenge, the, the voice to challenge, where you might challenge someone in a meeting or in a conversation. Um, to evaluate, so you weigh up something. So let's say you're going out you're 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 sitting with your wife let's say on a friday night and you're trying to decide where you want to go for dinner you might say oh you might say i quite fancy chinese tonight or i quite fancy italian and your wife might say actually i fancy i actually fancy going for a burger or fish and chips tonight and then you you kind of come to you kind of evaluate the options well that one's a bit further away it's raining maybe we need to take the car so there's mm. that kind of evaluation that goes on so there's quite a bit of substance to these voices but um, that's the nine of them anyway. That's there's nine of them in that model, and you assess them, and then you can help develop them. But, um, as part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, here's one for you. I might put you on the spot here, Joe. I said I wouldn't put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, reading <laughs> is that mm. something you enjoy? Is it something you will obviously have done a ton of reading to get your masters and to get all through your education? So, you know, you don't get to yes. where you've got without reading. Um, is reading something that uh, you're passionate about yourself, or have you got anything that you that you often use with clients and recommend? Have you got anything along that score? Because I'm I'm a big fan of of, of the written word, um, and I think you know it's I don't know I, I think gosh the value you can get out of a book and can just uh, it blow blows your mind sometimes things that you read and you think wow you know that's if I hadn't read that what you know where would it be kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think reading is, I love reading myself. I, I did a lot of it, as you say, through the through the studies. So you get to a point a little bit where you, you want to change up the medium of, of learning as well. So I've, I've got a lot into um, podcasts. Obviously, you're on in your podcast mm. today, Rob, um, and audiobooks as well. But reading is, I think, it, it, it doesn't only educate you, but it helps you... Um, in your own work as well when it comes to making patterns between things and helping to understand other people so it's i think it's it's crucial and we should all try and do it as much as possible um in terms of things i've been reading I, i've been i guess as a psychologist i've been getting quite uh, quite interested recently in uh what's called act which is a therapeutic approach basically to helping people change behavior mm -hmm. um uh and it's 
it's a, it's a good book called by a guy called Russ Harris, just really getting into that and the tools and tactics people can use to manage uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And um, so there's there's I'm particularly interested in that. I'm also really interested in developing togetherness as a team. Um, so done quite a lot of reading around Matt Slater's work, a guy called Matt, Matt Slater, who's one of the foremost figures now in the UK on developing team togetherness. Um, How to Build a Winning Team is his book, and it's a real nice, yeah. clear process. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, no, uh, I just Rob. love that kind of thing. Um, just, just, yeah, uh, I think there's a... I interrupt, mate. Yeah, carry on, yeah. No, 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 not at all. I think I, I was... Uh, yeah, I brought you in to be fair anyway, but <laughs> it's um yeah, I I think that's been a really practical read as well. I'm big on practical reads as as much as possible. Theory's good, but it needs to be practical yeah. and applicable, doesn't it? Um, so that's very clear. It's like a roadmap for developing togetherness within team. There's three stages to it: reflect, represent, realize, and there's various activities you can do within each of those. Um, the other thing, longevity, I've been really interested in recently as well. Longevity in terms of how we age as human beings and how we can keep our stay closer to our best for longer. Um, I'm a guy that. called P Peter Atia. Um, how do you spell his surname? A double T I A. Um, yeah, longevity. Okay. Longevity. It's the science of longevity, and again, very practical around health and and well being. So that's some of the stuff I've been interested in of late. Yeah, good, and uh, plenty of roads to travel down, eh, Joe, in the future with um with all that kind of bubbling around, and um you know where you're <laughs> at now, mate, Crikey. Um, yeah, you're uh, you know a lot younger than me, and um working with young people. Um, been fortunate to to work to work. Very, very fortunate to work with elderly people and people who, um, at, at end of life, I've worked in an aspect of my life, you know, I've, I feel fortunate I've not just worked in sport, I've worked with people who are at the end of their life and um, it's a privilege to yes. to be with people who know that this is their, the end for them uh, or their earthly life. There's something about it that you can't talk about or explain, it's... The contrast to that is working with young people with energy and enthusiasm and kind of the whole excitement of life ahead of them, you know, and it's almost on a different level when you're working with like 12 and 13 year olds who have almost got that naive kind of, oh, my days, you know, every day I'll, I'll be like this for the rest of my life, you know, and then people like you who still, you know, young and kind of enthusiastic and, and stuff. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for enthusiasm which kind of fits in nicely you're talking about um Atia's work of longevity you know because um mm. I also know people who are in the 50s and 60s who act like they're 32 you know physically they they look good and they're out there yes. coaching and it's great yeah yes. um yes. so yeah, yeah all all wonderful stuff look Joe I appreciate you've got a hard bit of a hard um point because you've got stuff to get on with um I've kind of like you all the four or five things I wanted. Um, it, it's been great. Um, we've talked about emotional intelligence. We've talked about your journey. We've talked about teams and team togetherness. We've talked about empathy and, and we've delved a little bit into detail about the, you know, the, your favorite tools, voice print and um, uh, 360, ECR 360. 
Um, blimey, anybody just listen to this for a few minutes, um, we'll be able to, to to follow one of those rabbit holes. I'm I'm absolutely sure. Um, is there anything else you'd like to to talk about um, that I haven't asked you? Um, you know, listen, I, I you know I'm I just asked the questions that kind of influenced me, so I indulge myself really. So um, excuse me for that, um, and I hope it helps others. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to kind of share um, that that I haven't kind of pulled out of you in this short short interview? I think no. I mean, I think it's been great, Rob. I really enjoyed it uh, talking to you about some of these things I'm particularly interested in. I guess one thing. Um, I mentioned just briefly at the start that I, it might be of interest to you and your readers at some point, that, not readers, sorry, listeners, <laughs> at some point down the line. Um, I've, I've got a real interest and passion in both football, uh, youth development and also emotional intelligence. And I mentioned about that app that we've started to create over the last um, little while, really. And we're... Uh, we're launching that really to help young players and coaches as well to develop some of these skills I talked about today, self-awareness, empathy, um, self-control, manage your emotions better um, in order to improve performance and well-being. So we're, we're launching that soon as well. So I, it, what what the, the app's called Head Coach, so I just thought it might be worth mentioning if anyone's interested in that, who, who's yeah. listening into your podcast, they could they could check that out as well because that might be quite relevant for them down there. Would that will it be available on you know the normal um people go to whether they're on Android or or whatever they can just get that through through that yeah. It, from from October yes yeah, start October, of October yeah, yeah wow, so that will be through that will be through there which has been a good fun project for me as I say it's the area I'm really passionate in as well so um yeah just thought I would mention that but. Yeah, uh, I can I can talk to anyone who's who's particularly interested in that area of EQ or I say EQ that's the abbreviated term for emotional intelligence for those that, <laughs> that haven't heard that before but I, I I could chat all day about it as you can maybe tell so if, if anyone is interested in chatting more I'd love to do that as well. Brilliant. Um, so if anybody does want to get in touch with you, Joe, or to find out more about how you can help them and um, you know uh, work wise, professional wise, individually. Um, Obviously, I can put your contact details in the show notes. What's the what's the the best way you you're on LinkedIn? I know you're on LinkedIn, yeah. So they can catch you on LinkedIn, Joe. Yeah, yeah. That's the social channel I'm, I tend to be most active on. Definitely, uh, LinkedIn and um, my email address as well. Uh, what's your email address, Joe? It's Joe Davis at groundandair.co.uk. So it's J O E D A V I S at ground. And A N D Air, is that correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, dot. What did you say? Dot. Dot. Co. Dot. Uk. Co. Dot. Uk. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So that's uh, your email address and LinkedIn. I'm sure people can catch you on that. Joe, it's been um. Um, I'm keen that I don't keep people longer than I promise. So um, really happy with all the stuff I've kind of um asked you about. And um, yeah, listen, we could go down all these all, all all these different aspects and talk about all of them individually and um you know develop them further but maybe we'll be able to do that in the future but um it's been great and i really thank you for your time and um keep up the good work pal because uh you're doing some good stuff <laughs> thanks rob i really appreciate it i enjoyed the chat i'll definitely be up for doing it again one day thank you thank you